Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to FixTheNation.com. Oh, as usual, we can get the normal house cleaning out of the way. Uh, FixNation.com started about five years ago by yours truly, John Jensen. Um, available on iTunes, Stitcher. Of course, the website, which is FixTheNation.com, obviously is kind of the genesis of it all. A um, few different books out there for you to get through Amazon if you so choose, um, very paperback or e-read, whatever you choose to do at this point in time in your life. Um, Why Go Conservative is one of them. FixTheNation.com is the original. And One Grand Bargain, which is a solution to the fiscal situation that we're in. Um, had another one on the way, but we're going to keep that in the back pocket for now. Um, what are we talking about tonight? Well, well, well. Oh, lastly, by the way, you can get me at tw- uh, Twitter on at FixTheNation or on Facebook at at FixNation or FixNation.com or whatever we call it, FixNation. Um, okay, we're talking politics, and we're down to a two-horse race, finally and officially. We have crossed into the land of general election. We are officially a two-person race, mano a mano. But you can't even say that anymore because mano means man, so mano a womano, something like that, since Hillary is a femalian. Um, Okay, so a couple of things. One is 100 days. So the next 100 days for me, 99 and counting rather, is going to be a hard 100 days. And what I mean by that is I'll be broadcasting every single day at least 30 minutes up to 90 minutes every single day with an update on one where the election is and two where I think they need to go meaning up to now let's just let's just cut to the chase right now you have two people in this race and when's the last time you heard either one of them actually say what they would be doing as president I'm going to say that one more time. When's the last time either one of them said what they would be doing as president, what the issues are and what their solutions are? Hmm. Because to me, up to now, you have a lot of, I know you are, but what am I? 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 He's this, and she's this, and he's this, and she's this. Or you have a variation of that where the media gets in the middle of it, and this over here, mm, spin it and make it sound different. Or he says something dopey, and they make it the biggest deal ever on the planet, etc. They aren't big deals, but they're made to be big deals. Why? Because no one's talking about issues. And I've said that for a really, really long time, years. I don't want to pull the lever when I go to vote. For someone, because they have a great haircut, because they are my gender, because anything physically about them is the reason. I don't want to pull the trigger for them, not trigger in a hostile way, trigger the lever, because they want to, oh, I don't know, they are the bigger bully, they are the better liar, 
they are the ones who told me what I wanted to hear more. No, you know what I'd rather do? is actually pull the lever for somebody who I believe would do the job well. When's the last time you truly pulled the lever for somebody who you're in your heart of hearts you believe would do the job well? That's frustrating. And I've been involved in politics for a really long time. Amateur, but absolutely. I remember Nixon. I remember him going sideways. I remember the whole thing playing out. That was my youth. That was front and center during my developmental years. The horror show that Carter was. I have a very different view of Reagan, by the way, because those eight years of Reagan, he wasn't loved then nearly as much as he's loved now. Because he did some things then that didn't make a lot of people really happy then. Looking back on it, they love him. And I absolutely put him in my, in my top five or three presidents ever. Then we got Bush and Bush Light and Clinton and Obama. And I don't remember the last time I actually pulled the lever for somebody who I just, oh, yeah, that's my guy. That's my to use today's term, girl. You have it either way. And one of the things about this particular year, which I just find amazingly wonderful, sad it got to this point, but amazingly wonderful, we're actually embracing change. And I don't care what side you're on. If you're a Democrat, I want you to say these words, Bernie Sanders. The only reason that man exists politically this year on the presidential level to the to the tune that he has landed is because he absolutely is the voice of change, quote unquote, that side of it. Donald Trump has obliterated everybody on this side of the aisle without question, without equivocation. And I got a tip for you. It's not over yet. This will be a really interesting world. Come November 8th, right? 8th? You can correct me if I'm wrong. Here's the moral of the story, though. Neither one of them get it done for me. She's an she's a absolute no for someone like me. I'm a registered Republican. I've been conservative. I've been dibble-dabbling in the Reform Party recently because I need to have a voice. I need to have someone who represents my voice. I'm not nearly as involved in the social issues, issues as I am in the what I will call the fiscal or the, or the, 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 the meat and potato issues. We have so many things that we need to get done. We don't have time to dilly-dally putting some, somebody else in there that's just going to do the same old crap. And I, and I mean, holy crap. And I, yours truly? I'll, let me just give you a couple little sound bites, okay? 
if you read when I published, if you read it right now, it's still the original. It's only, it was only first edition. One Grand Bargain. It was published, and it was published within the last four years. <laughs> the, the debt level was $13.5 trillion. I'm going to say that again. $13.5 trillion. We are above $19 trillion four years later. That's a run rate of about $1.5 trillion a year. Only get worse. It will not get better unless somebody is put in that office that's willing to turn this country around. I have to say it just that way. There's no nice way to say it. If you're looking for your participation trophy as a taxpayer and a citizen, oh, but I just want to have everything I've always had and then some, and I want everything to be rosy and sunshine. I don't want to ever feel pain or glum. That will never happen. We will not have money for Social Security by 2030, 2016. In 14 years, the money for Social Security will be 100% gone. What do you think about that? We are already approaching the 100% of GDP level of debt. Our external debt is already over 100%. One, I didn't say, ah, oh, it's a little heavy. Ah, oh, you know what? We floated alone. Nope. So what do you want to do? You want to print some money? You want to monetize it? I mean, if you want to make a loaf of bread $100, go ahead. You know, if you want to make ourselves a third world country, go ahead. Now, it sounds like I'm doom and gloom. I'm not. We've got a wonderful country with a wonderful opportunity to change it and fix it. It is fixable still. But let's talk about Social Security for a minute because it's an easy illustration. Bankrupt in 2030 massively underfunded right now demographic push flooding the demand for the need choking 80 plus percent of the total federal budget okay all if you toss entitlements all together i got a tip for you that was seen back in the 1970s by a little kid in junior high mommy mommy What's going to happen when all these baby boomers retire? My mom didn't have an answer for me back then. Not one. I've been in politics all my life asking questions like that. Why? Because they need to be asked loud, often, and answered always. But you can't just, and I hate this phrase, keep kicking the can down the road for oh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years 
and expect the funding to just magically appear. It doesn't happen that way. So now, welcome to the land of difficult choices. Do you raise taxes on everybody and kill the economy? Do you lower taxes and excite the economy in the hope of getting higher revenues, i.e. Kennedy in the 60s or Reagan in the 80s? Do you just, you know, hey, I'm a politician, I need four more years, then I can retire, become somebody else's problems, and we just pass it on, and on, on. Um, You get my gist. Point being, you can't just keep kicking it down the road and expect to magically fix itself. You need to put someone in there who doesn't want what is to stay the same. Here's the sad part. Neither one of our options talk that way about entitlements. Hillary Clinton and Donald J. Trump both have not addressed entitlements. And it's like the $800 billion elephant in the room. But here's the way this is going to play out. I'm going to go right back to them. Get off doom and gloom, go right back to candidacies. You've got two people in the race. And there are three issues that will probably end up deciding this entire election. Economy, immigration, national security. And they're all completely intertwined. You ever see the Olympic symbol, the five rings? Picture you have those three rings instead of five. So they have those, those over, overlapping areas. Because there is a big part of immigration that's absolutely economic and a big part that's absolutely national security. They're all inter- interwoven. It's very tough to deal with one without radically affecting the other. So what I, what I want to do is go to a debate and ask that simple question. These are the three core topics. How would you deal with all three in one shot? How would you do that? How would you resolve that? Well, I want to, you know, my immigration policy is to build a wall and define the borders, deport everybody. Okay. That's an option. What's, what's your policy, ma'am? Oh, I pr- want to protect the, fa- the families. Okay. So you want to enable the, oh, I'll call it the criminal, for lack of a better term, the illegal alien? That's your focal point, that they need to be protected. Okay, that's one way to go. Wow. But nobody deals with this big, and by the way, I've read both their policies, and that's about how it reads. You know, if I could do it in a 30-second soundbite, there you go. So I wrote my own immigration policy. It's on FixNation.com, by the way. And it's not pretty. It's not what I would like to write, but I think it's the most feasible, realistic one that there is. If I put it to you in a nutshell, there's just no pretty way to do it, but it has to be done. And I did history back to 1790, the the original Immigration Act, all the way on up. Ton of fun. Oh, yeah, love being me. So much free time. (sighs) But also put together tax reform, which, again, is complicated. People just want to say, raise taxes on the rich and be done with it. I got a tip for you guys. Not that 
simple. You can do that, but you're not dealing with everything else that needs to be updated. I could use the word reform and talk about everything in government because everything in government in a way, in its own way, is outdated. We haven't really dealt immigration since 1996. That's 20 years and counting since that happened. We tweaked it after 9-11, but that's a homeland security issue. That wasn't dealt with immigration. In fact, they made a very specific point in homeland security not to touch it, which is a little funny if you don't ask me. That being said, though, tax reform, entitlement reform, education reform, criminal justice reform. It, it's an almost an endless list. And yet, I've got two candidates right now, Hillary Clinton, Donald J. Trump, that kind of don't talk about the issues nearly enough. And see, this is my recommendation to, to, to both of them. It shouldn't be about you, the person, and your ego. It shouldn't be about you and and how you can spin things. We have a much, much more aware and passionate electorate than any politician could ever fathom. If you stand in front of an audience and deliver the issues, even if they disagree, they will respect and understand you. And if you can sell your message to the people in the crowd who maybe either did make up their mind or were swayable, you can get them to understand and to accept it. You could absolutely beat a drum and go door to door, town hall to town hall, mass media, whatever you choose to do. And keep putting your message out there, and it will resonate. That's fine. That's old school. That's real. If you want to just do it with sound bites and tweets and, you know, lies and, and lawyer speak, oh, God, I don't have crap for you. I just don't have time for that crap. I don't. And no offense, I don't think you guys do either. If you're hearing my voice right now in any way, I got a tip for you. It's because you care. That's the chase about what you have in your heart. You're listening right now because you care about America. You care about actually fixing the nation. You care about solutions. I know I do. I've got two boys. My fate is sealed. But I got a tip for you. When they grow up, I want a great life for them. That's the human and the dad in me. I'll be damned if they're going to be frustrated because I didn't live my life and fight the fight and speak the speak to get it done, and they have to get crap because of it. I won't do it. Passion, friends. And you can't buy it. Here's the weird twist. I've actually considered running for office. I wrote a five-page issue-driven platform. I'm going to unload that one of these days. I'll let, you, I'll let you in on that little secret. So I'll decide if I'm going to make that run or not, but 
curious, curious, it would be worth it. Of course, one of my thoughts about that, and this is, oh, my wife and I go round and round on this issue. If you don't do it, who will? I don't believe politicians in their very nature are there for the greater good. I think the bulk of them do it because of either ego or money or power, influence, whatever you want to call it. And I have a firm belief. I think that the only person that would ever go and actually fix something is someone who didn't want the job. And that's, a, that's, that's very difficult. And the closest guy I'm ever going to probably see in my lifetime is probably Trump. He doesn't need the money. He's got an ego already. He's got power already. Now, I'm not saying he has the best of intentions. I'm not saying he's the perfect candidate. But I know what she is. She is a career politician who's done nothing except for make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars while in public service. That is horrific. So why we go down in flames on her watch, she gets rewarded. I put that in my hell no camp. I have different versions of things. One is my worst case scenario, which is hell no. In no way will she ever get my vote. In no way will she be good for this country. That's my opinion. But then there's the other side. Well, therefore, you're on the Trump t- train, right? That obvi- obviously, you know, since you know she's a hell no. That, oh, obviously, you're on the Trump train. You love this guy. That's not what I just said. There are some things about him that I really enjoy. It's very refreshing hearing a quote-unquote politician, and it's really tough to use that word about him because he's not. It's, the, it's a huge flaw in him, but it's wonderful all in the same breath. He speaks directly. He speaks impromptu. He, just, he, he speaks from the gut, from the heart, however you want to say it. But it's awkward. That's my word for it. It's uncomfortable to hear how he says things because he doesn't say what I want him to hear. He doesn't say it in a way that's all politically correct. He doesn't couch things and, and preface things, and he just goes and unloads it. And then it's up to me to deal with it. And that's just a different slice of the pie than we've ever had. We're used to it. And go back on it, guys. Go. Seriously. Reagan was wonderful at communicating, and he was just polished, the great communicator, obviously. Bush was okay, but he wasn't offensive, or he didn't. He would just put it out there. Clinton was a great order. Bush Light was okay. He was probably better than his dad. You know, Obama was phenomenal. Best president just on his speech campaigning abilities is Obama. It's the only thing he will ever be the best at, but he has that. I will absolutely say that he's better than Reagan when it comes to that. But always wanted to tell you what you wanted to hear. Always said it in a way that made you, yeah, yeah. That's not what Trump does. 
he says things in a way that almost makes you cringe. You might agree with him, but it kind of almost it, it makes you wince even when he says it. Or if you say, yeah, there's another group that winces. Now, he's not wrong. And see, that's the funny part about Trump. I can't think of one single thing he has actually said that's quote-unquote wrong. Now, I didn't say he's wonderful and he's made perfect decisions and say that. He calls it the way it is. And then when it is, there you go. The fact you don't like that he called it, get over it. And that's one of those awkward moments. And we, the electorate, the voter, is going to have to make a decision. If you're Bernie Sanders follower and you have Hillary or Trump, you're, you're probably going to either stay home or vote for her. Maybe there's a, that, that rabid fan that jumps across the aisle and pulls love for Trump just to spite her. Okay, there's that possibility. Trump has kind of a similar issue. A little smaller degree, but similar issue. If you have the Cruz faction, they might just stay home. One in the blue moon might jump across the aisle and pull the trigger for her. But either one of those groups might go a completely third-party direction and go Johnson, Stein, whatever you want to call it. So there, there are other options on the table. So we're very curious how this plays out. I will say this. I truly, in my heart, believe this is, in fact, Donald Trump's election to win or lose. He controls his fate. She does not. Hillary does not. Hillary is what she is. She is a completely defined politician. Everyone who hates her, hates her. Everyone who loves her, loves her. You're not going to change either group. The only decision on her is, can she excite her base enough to get out and vote for her? The third parties, briefly. They will irritate either end. They will take a little small little slice of the pie, but they will not be real in the race. Okay, which leaves Trump. Trump right now has not fleshed out his solutions, his issues, really painted a vivid picture of this is, this is my belief, this is where I'm going, this is where I want to take you, trust me, we need to fix this country, here we go, vote Trump. Now, if he can do that, and specifically on economy, immigration, and national security. That's all he has to do is flesh out those three things in a way that's real, that's substantive, that's passionate, that's believable, and he needs to get away from personal and social issues completely. It's going to sabotage him. He's going to want to counterpunch someone and it's going to cost him votes. He'd be better off shutting up and say, you know, I don't do distractions like that. Let's get back to something that's real, like the economy. I don't care what she said, because quite honestly, she's an old politician that's, that's had her day. This is my turn. Let's talk immigration. And he can, he can just 
push him aside, and freight train his way into November. Because there's a huge chunk of the population right now that's independent and undecided, that's truly, truly looking for a home. She can't get it. She's defined. They are willing to listen. They're willing to go a different path. He has to be willing in the next four to six weeks to go after the issues, sell his message, capture that vote with passion and specifics. We're going to get into that. You're going to enjoy it every day. FixNation.com will come to you for the next 98 days. It's going to be a great run. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to have some fun. Have a great night. Stay strong. God bless America. Have a great night.